All right. Uh, welcome one and all to uh, sort of a, a new project here from the uh, David Foster Wallace and Gromit Industries family of podcasts. This is uh, David Foster Wallace and Gromit on the road or on the run. Uh, my name is Jared with me as always is Steve uh, to discuss all things if been adjust or, or pertaining to uh, David Foster Wallace's seminal novel and, uh, and some of his you know, other works, his larger body of work as well as culture at large and uh, of course a short story or a novella of our choosing. Uh, Steve, how are you doing this week? Well, I'm doing about as good as I can be. As you know, I am almost through being wheelchair bound. I've been in the wheelchair for about five, four or five months, and I should be uh, should be back on crutches pretty soon as my shoulders heal. So, um, yeah, as good as I can be. Really excited to uh, be on the road, and really excited to be talking about all things Infinite Jest, all things uh, the David Foster Wallace and Gromit family, and uh, and all things all things fun. Yeah. So of course, of course. And a lot of our listeners are probably wondering, you know, hold on a second last week, you know, where, where did we leave our, our daring heroes? We were uh, incarcerated. You were without your legs. You were awaiting being frozen in carbonite. And to all of our listeners, I say with all, you know, with, with patience and time, all things will be revealed. Uh, for starters, top of the hour, uh, it's important to note that as is with the uh, David Foster Wallace and Gromit on the run, podcast within a podcast we are reporting live here from sort of a a dual microphone uh tape situation uh we're we're right now we're driving down the highway we're uh somewhere just outside of uh ogden utah uh in a 1991 white ford bronco um i have a, a microphone here taped to the steering wheel so if it comes in and out it's just uh it's just a natural turning of the wheel steve here in the passenger seat's got the the nice microphone laptop situation on his lap and uh and we're taking it mobile we're taking it on the road Sure. Quick question. Go ahead. Should you should you have released the information about the car, or um, was that maybe not wise? As uh, our listeners have stabbed us in the back before, I wouldn't put it past them to uh, stab us in the back again. You're not as wrong. long as it gets them wrong. some, uh, some, yeah. some a little bit extra scratch, a little bit of brass. You know? If there's something we know about our listeners, they are addicted to a little ganja green. They'll do just about anything for a little ganja green. But thankfully, we've already swapped out cars three, four times now on this journey. Uh, you know, on uh, you know, leaving Michigan en route to a, an undisclosed location, of course, a, a safe house that's been established for us. So. By the time this comes out, we'll have had a new car. We'll be in a new place. Uh, probably even new names at that point. Maybe the next episode we'll be we'll be calling in from a, a new alias. You know, a new maybe, identity. Maybe next episode we'll be calling in from the Netherlands. You never know. Well, and that brings us to our next point. Of course, you know, like I said to all our listeners, patience and time all will be revealed. But we just want to give a quick shout out to the top of the hour. Uh, upon our uh, let's say premature release, let's call it from our, our respective, uh, incarcerated States. I was made aware, uh, by a larger network of associates that we are Steve tell the people we are rank 191, uh, wow. among comedy podcasts in the Netherlands. That's right. Thank you so much to all of our fans and listeners, uh, all of incredible. our, <clears throat> all of our Dutch fans and listeners who, who said, you know, I want a better podcast. I want uh, wow. a better brand of comedy and i won't settle for your uh you know dax shepherd armchair expert i won't settle for your uh, you know joseph rogan i won't settle for your um you know mark Marin. i need i need that sort of acerbic wit that only the david foster wallace and gromit boys can give me uh, absolutely 
huge shout out to the Dutch for this one. This is an incredible opportunity. And I just want to, I just want to one clarification and then I have a comment. Uh, so clarification, that means we are number 191 in the Netherlands out of all podcasts in the world. Yes. That's incredible. And yes. so I just want to, I just want to take this moment to thank our, our, all of our friends in the Netherlands, in the Dutchlands, in, in the highlands and the lowlands of Netherlands, near and far, uh, near to the water, far from the water. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and, and just to be revered by such a wonderful nation, a yep. nation filled with wooden shoes, a nation mm -hmm. windmills, windmills, certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just everything, everything about the Netherlands. And I will say it here: uh, we love the, the, you know, the great orange of that of the Dutch coast. Oh yeah, and that is it is the orange nation. And we appreciate everything that 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 you you uh, beautiful orange orange people are doing for the family. So if you're yeah. Dutch and you're out there, mm -hmm. you have every reason to celebrate simply for that, simply for mm -hmm. being uh, one of the one of our Dutch. Let's call mm -hmm. it. The, Anyone from the Netherlands is yeah. there. There are Dutch children. I mean, you know, I think we've. We may Thank even you. go so far as to to rebrand the fan base. Previously, you know, once upon a time, we had the creatine loaders, we had the cave dwellers, we have the grommet heads. I mean, I think Dutch maybe people. we. Well, I think we we maybe take a playbook from the the classic IP that we recently acquired that that David Foster Wallace and Grommet Industries, in our absence, recently acquired, and we begin to refer our fans as the titular Dutch Bros. Uh, I think that would maybe do a lot for morale. I think it'd do a lot in this trying time, as as you know, we we reached out to our Dutch Bros. And uh, and uh, kind of let them wow. know how we're doing, and you know, establish that sort of brotherly connection. Uh, and not just and not just the bros, you know, not just the not just the bros as in brothers, not just the sisters, not just the fathers and mothers, but the cousins. entire the entire Dutch family. Yes, and that's really what I'm getting at is uh, all of the Dutch and everything that they stand for, all the the Dutch cows. That are up in in the Netherlands, the Netherlands yeah. cows, and the fields, the beautiful green fields, and the beautiful waterfronts, and all the bicycles. I, you know, that's one thing I love about the the Dutch is they they do reduce their carbon footprint and they do ride bicycles. They do ride bicycles. That's true. And if you go to the Netherlands, you <clears throat> effectively most people have customized bicycles with their face on their own seat. Uh, they're all orange. That is a requirement of the country. It's a requirement of yeah. the nation is that all tires, bicycles, uh, everything. It's uh, solid orange bicycles, and everybody runs around in these beautiful, this beautiful shade of orange uh, t-shirts and trousers and hats. Everybody, everybody has a national uniform, and that's something I really appreciate about the Dutch. Is they're able to, they're able to institutionalize the color orange. Yes. Yes. And uh, it's just something we really appreciate, and we appreciate everything about uh, about the Dutch. And they do say that Florida is the orange state, and uh, Florida is where where all the oranges come from. But frankly, uh, I'll say it here on the David Foster and Wallace and Gromit uh, podcast that oranges don't come from Florida; they come from actually the Netherlands, Dutch. Yes, yes. We really 
So I just wanted to clarify that and give them the proper credit because they deserve it. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing. Everyone says Florida, you know, is the orange state, you know, or, or you Absolutely. might even think of Orange County, California. But if you sure. want to talk about where oranges are endemic, if you want to talk about the, the true birthplace of the color orange, the idea of orangeness as a, you know, you talk about uh, Dutch land, let's start talking about orange land. And, you know, here's the thing. When I we agree. talk about when we talk about the David Foster Wallace and Gromit Dutch family, let's say uh, our fan base, the new, the new Dutch family. Uh, here's kind of the thing, you know, we just had Easter, we just had Passover, you know, we're, we're, you know, time flies these days, we're going to be coming up on Thanksgiving, we're going to be coming up on Christmas, we're going to be coming up on all your major holidays. And I want to see in this new world we're establishing, I want to see, you know, Christmas morning, maybe you're with a, your loved ones, your significant others, you're with your family, and then you're cutting out early, you're putting your jacket and shoes on, they're saying, hello, wh where are you going? And you say, I got to go meet up with my real family. And you're coming over to our big orange windmill, the David Foster Wallace and Gromit Industries orange Absolutely. windmill. We're all wearing, uh, we're all wearing those, those overalls with the braids that kind of come out uh, in, in sort of like a U shape from the side of our head. We all have those little white hats. All the Turning food is orange. Butter. We're turning our butter. All the food is orange. That is a prerequisite. You're, there will be bikes for you to ride. And I want, you know, look, we've been in solitary confinement respectively for too long. I want to be able Absolutely. to say all of my Dutch family is coming to my house and I'm never going to be alone. You know, Tulips I want to only. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. And just a huge shout it, out once more to the Netherlands for that. It really is an opportunity to celebrate our orangeity. And that is something that we appreciate. And it is something we revere. Uh, to celebrate it with the family, with our Dutch family and with our orange family. And it is, it, it's something that really keeps me afloat in times like these where I'm uh, wheelchair bound and, and this whole chef Jeff <clears throat> incident. Yeah. And uh, it just, the, the, the one thing that keeps, keeps my clock ticking. The one thing that keeps me going is the country of the Netherlands. Exactly, exactly. And just uh, as an aside, a reminder to everyone, Chef Jeff is still missing. He is still uh, considered a wanted man. Um, you know, there's no real news on that. But if you do want to support us, if you want to, if you want to guard yourself against Chef Jeff, of course, as I said before, OpenSea.io, uh, there is a David Foster Wallace and Gromit uh, bail fund, which is now no longer necessary uh, in terms of our legal fees and bail. But we will be needing that money to survive on the lamb. Uh, of course, you can support us there through our NFTs, and you could always shoot us an email, David Foster Wallace and Gromit at gmail.com, or give us a, a five star rating on iTunes if you want to if you want to get in contact with us uh, immediately. That's going to be the quickest way, the most effective way to get in touch with us and make sure that we hear you as our as our Dutch family, um, you know, as our Orange family, and uh, and it just means the world to us if you could if you could reach out like that. Thank you again so much, Steve. Do you should we maybe fill them in as to how we got behind the wheel of this white Bronco, how we, how we ended up on the lamb. I'll let you get to that in just a moment, but I Go do want to say, I want to make a really quick announcement from a personal standpoint about my personal life. And that is that uh, I initially concocted, let's say uh, operation Greenland. That is my child. And yes. it, it, it is my, all of my theoretical research has gone into operation Greenland. And I, I did want to make a quick announcement that initially the plan was to, it was for the sake of gaining power or whatever it may be, all of our opportunities from Mohammed and, and uh, Abner and such allowed us, to, allowed us to bring about these ideas and these thoughts. And initially the plan was to, was to enact Operation Greenland, which was uh, commandeering the, the, the nuclear warheads, the there dormant nuclear warheads <laughs> in Greenland. 
and commandeer those and use those as leverage for power. But I'm I'm more interested. <coughs> excuse me, I'm more interested in a little thing that I've developed, and it's called Operation Orangeland. And I much prefer Operation Orangeland to Operation Greenland. And that involves me uh, going to Orangeland, that is the Netherlands, and uh, becoming a butter churner and a tulip picker or a tulip farmer or tulip gardener, whatever it may be. And just just watching the sunrise and the sunset on my orange bicycle and becoming a part of the, the culture and the family of Dutchland and Orangeland. And uh, green is out, orange is in. That's all I can say. Thanks, say, guys. Yeah, they say green is the new orange. Uh, sort of that classic, that classic euphemism. Uh, no, and that's, you know, you're 100% correct in that. I mean, our, our issue, I think, ultimately, uh, and the lesson we've learned with Project Greenland is that, uh, you know, there was so much, so much greed and so much hate in our hearts that we thought, let's go ahead and steal Greenland. Let's establish our many colonies and compounds, bring the child soldiers, the large reptiles, the nuclear well, war. That was your plan. The nuclear Mine warheads. Was... Sure. Let's establish a, a, a military wing of this new David Foster Wallace and Gromit geopolitical party, you know, um, yes. in, in tandem with the NSA and the globalist cabal. Now, when we think about Operation Orangeland, it's not about a hostile takeover. It's not about, you know, it's not about greed. It's not about, it's not about uh, avarice and, 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 uh, and control. Really what it's about is, uh, as we've said many a time now, this new Dutch family opening their arms and allowing Absolutely. us an orange bicycle, orange overalls, little, orange little lifestyle, hat, orange lifestyle. Uh, look, I'm going to be walking around with my, I'm, look, I'm, I'm already seeing the world through orange tinted glasses right about now, having myself a big glass of orange juice and, uh, yeah. what a way to live. I'll, I'll be eating orange food these days. I'm orange flavored popsicles and, and, uh, cantaloupe and, uh, what else is orange? Well, I tell you right now, you don't want to miss out on all the beautiful orange the world has to offer you. So you better make sure you eat some carrots and uh, keep your eyesight good and strong. Another classic orange food. Thank you so much to the Dutch for this orange food. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm on cloud orange. I'm not even going to call it cloud nine. <laughs> well, either cloud orange or orange nine. That's the thing. People talk about, look, I mean, look, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to exclude any of our, uh, you know, our non-athlete heads here. But when you're, when we're talking about golf, you know, the greatest game ever played, when you're talking about the front nine and the back nine, I'm over here in the background, I'm, I'm, t I'm poking my head out of the cart. I'm saying someone better talk about the orange nine before I, you know, before I blow my top. I understand that. And I absolutely appreciate everything orange. And it's just, it really is a dream come true. And I want to encourage any of our, uh, our our uh, Dutch Netherlands fans to to send send an email. We'll be able to read it at some point, hopefully when we have when we have the capabilities of internet and such. Uh, maybe maybe at the time that this episode goes up is a time that we'll be able to read it, and we'll intermittently stop at motels and and such. And I just want to encourage all of our friends, all of our fans, and all of our family out there from the Netherlands to reach out, say hello. Um, I really would love to hear from, from all of our friends in, in the Netherlands. I think that would be really great. So, so an email would be helpful for me personally, from a personal oh, standpoint yeah. and you know, the, the, the place where my personal, my personal life right now is, is the way that it is. And if you've been listening, then you're 
aware of, of my situation and our situation. And, and I really would appreciate anything, anything orange to come my way. And that yeah, is I an mean, email from the Dutch. When I really appreciate everything you've done. Personal, you know, personal wants and needs. When I think about that classic hierarchy of needs for me, I'm looking at three tiers and it's just saying email, email, email. And then maybe even above, above the pyramid, a much smaller pyramid, it's saying, and a little something orange. I don't give a shit what it is. Just a little something orange. And I want email, email, email. Again, that's David Foster, Wallace and Grom at gmail.com. Uh, thank you so much. Of course, we will be checking into motels to check the, of course, podcast analytics to refuel. We're buying plenty of, that's right, orange Fanta, orange LaCroix, uh, Mio, tangerine Absolutely. water enhancer. We are doing nothing but just orange, 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 all the way down in support of our new Dutch family. That's right. The DFWAG, the DFWAG uh, NDF, the new Dutch family. Thank you so much to our new Dutch family. Absolutely. This episode goes out to you. Uh, now, Steve, for everyone listening, I just want to, I just want to kind of pepper in a little bit. Like I said, you've been patient enough. I appreciate that. Obviously, like I said, we're reporting live from the, from our beautiful uh, white Bronco. we got the all leather interior. We got, no, the, we ought to get next time. We ought to get an orange car next time. <laughs> we got to get an orange car. We got to get an orange car. We got to get a, we got to get a little, uh, a little, uh, 1990 geo Metro. And that nice matte orange color. That's nothing would, would tickle me the way that that would. Uh, a couple of Dutch flags coming out the sides. We can toot that horn, go beep, beep. Uh, oh, yeah. Here, 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 here for the orange parade. Exactly. And that is the Dutch. That is the entire country of the Netherlands, which we revere and admire so greatly. I mean, that's the thing. We might as well make our way out east. I don't want to give away too much, but uh, for our listeners, for our let's let's put it this way. For any of our, our listeners, for our real Dutch family that wants to aid and embed us, who don't want to harm us, who don't want to betray us, uh, think about where on the East Coast you might find a little uh, little Dutch enclave. Maybe uh, Syracuse, New York. Exactly. 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 Uh, so if any of our Dutch fans out there, in case, in case you're wondering, the, uh, the school colors of Syracuse University is orange and their name, the Syracuse Orange. And that is because uh, many of many 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 of our Dutch friends uh, settled yep. in Syracuse, Petition. in the state of New York. Yeah, and it's it's absolutely phenomenal that the that the Dutch can be can be a part of our family, and that the color orange can be so close to home. Really appreciate everything the color's done for me. I just love that at this point in history, when there is so much. Um, you know, venom and hatred in society that that we can come together to appreciate the cultural contributions that the Dutch have offered us here in America, that we're not talking about pushing away Dutch immigrants, that we're not talking about closing the Dutch American border, that we're not talking about ostracizing some of our incredible, the incredible work done by Dutch Americans. Uh, and it just means so much to us that we can be a, a bastion of hope for these Dutch American immigrants and the Dutch American experience here at David Foster Wallace and Gromit's new Dutch family. Um, so for everyone, for everyone listening who's maybe a little bit confused, not just about how we're no longer incarcerated, but about the audio quality, uh, this is the first time uh, in, in a number of weeks now that we've been able to record in person, of course, behind the wheel of this white Bronco. And if you're hearing any sort of, uh, let's, say, let's call it background sound, that is the open road. You know, we love the open road. Uh, it might also be us squeaking on this, all, this 
beautiful butter leather interior, or, you know, excuse me, I just did a burp. It's because I had to stop over at the 7-Eleven, get myself an orange LaCroix, had to help myself to a, a little beautiful orange beverage. So, you know, we are having, this is the quintessential road trip experience, not too dissimilar from, uh, look, we're a literary podcast. We surround ourselves with literary media. What kind of experience are we having? See if we're having a damn on the road type experience, or maybe Absolutely. even a, if we want to hearken to our good friend, good friend of the pod, Cormac McCarthy, uh, a, a the road experience. Absolutely. Um, so for everyone listening though, I, I last week, I would say minutes after we recorded had had about enough. Chef Jeff was, and still is on the lamb, a wanted man. Uh, um, you know, we're, you're, we're beginning to see those Interpol notices uh, more and more. The, the classic, you know, wanted, have you seen this man kind of posters, the ones that we had up as NFTs. Those are wheat pasted all around the American Southwest where we currently are. And, uh, and you know, I'd had about enough. So I talked to Gary. I said, look, um, as, as we all know, uh, you know, a lot of us here are here by choice. We're choosing to be model prisoners. But uh, I don't think that's the lifestyle that I want. And I'm ready to go. And he said, why didn't you say so earlier? So he called up some of his connections, our connections within the Latin Kings. They wheeled the, the big winch Hummer up to the, uh, the side of the prison wall, you know, kind of bore into the, into the brick. Boom, yanked on out. I just a hop and a skip into that Hummer. And I took that Hummer from Walla Walla, Washington out to uh, Ypsilanti State in Michigan. Same deal. Hooked the winch up. Boink. Yanked Steve out, of course. Uh, on the way, uh, you know, in a, let's call it a more or less violent way, we managed to coerce a series of doctors and surgeons to reattach Steve's legs. Those were not uh, discarded as we previously had thought. They were not uh, abandoned and, and stolen from him. They were just on ice and sort of a formaldehyde solution. Uh, so we got those legs reattached. We believe the surgery has gone well. And like Steve said, he will be out of the wheelchair in no time. Hopefully uh, the next leg of this journey, he'll be able to, maybe, you know, maybe we stop at the Grand Canyon. You'll be able to take in a little bit of that beauty and splendor on your own too. It's only a matter of time. So for everyone listening, it's just been a, it's been a wild ride. Um, no thanks Absolutely. to, no thanks to the people who did not uh, buy our NFT and, and support us financially while we were on the inside. But again, this is a new era for the podcast. We love our Dutch family. We are nothing but positive, nothing but good vibes as we traverse this, uh, this great nation. Absolutely. And I just want to clarify that, uh, I'm really having a, an absolutely phenomenal time uh, these days in spite of in spite of my condition. And that is only thanks to uh, listening to the fantastic music on the road, uh, the fantastic music of Edward Van Halen. Yes. Uh, wonderful Dutch uh, born, born in born in uh, Amsterdam. Wonderful Dutch friend of the family uh, who is fantastic. And we love Eddie Van Halen's music. <clears throat> And you're probably asking, well, what have you been reading? And well, I think it's fairly simple. I've been reading uh, all the novels uh, regarding Dracula. And that is because of two things. Jared, do you know where Jar Dracula is from? What I mean, nation? What nation as we know it today? That he is, absolutely. He is from Romania where if you've been listening, uh, you would know that we are one of the top podcasts in Romania and we already paid homage to that fantastic nation. Uh, can you think of another character from the fantastic books of uh, Dracula about the wonderful Count, the, the Count himself, fantastic Count Dracula of Romania? Well, I can tell you, Professor Abraham Van Helsing Professor Abraham Van Helsing is, of course, from 
is, of course, from the wonderful country of the Netherlands. And I just love reading these books and thinking about the wonderful duel between Dr. Van Helsing and Dr. Dracula and the fantastic minds at play between right. these two nations that we revere and respect so much. And that is the Netherlands, the Orangeland, and, uh, and Romania, Transylvania, Dracula's home. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. I know before the pod, we had talked a little bit about keeping this close to the chest, a la Operation Orangeland, but, um, you know, cats out of the bag. As a lot of people know, I mean, uh, Bram Stoker, uh, not a, a fiction author, a historian, uh, you know, right. a, a cataloger of history, a recorder of history. Uh, this, the classic story of Dracula, of Count Dracula and, and Van Helsing, um, really representative of a, of a unique moment in time in what has, has kind of now been a centuries-old uh, ongoing war, proxy war between the Netherlands and Romania, uh, of which we, very fortunately and and kind of uh, uh, serendipitously, uh, with the, with this new uh, introduction of, of the Netherlands into the David Foster Wallace and Gromit New Dutch family, have found ourselves in the middle of, and we are hoping with Operation Orangeland to bring both parties to the table, to have peace for the first time, to have your Dracula, to have your Van Helsing, you know, to, to I mean, look, we're going to, we we were on the horn with Romania just the other day. And we said, we know, we know he's a busy man. You know, we know, we know he's been asleep for some time. Now we understand that at his age, it's very difficult for him to travel, but look, we are more than willing to come to you. And we're more than willing to sit down at the table with Dracula say, you know, here's this beautiful spread. You know, you have a little bite here and there. We understand that you're not big on uh, the food that we eat. But it means a lot to us that you're willing to take that time. And it's something that we're really excited to, to bring to you guys, to bring to the Dave Foster Wallace and Gromit listeners um, in, in the coming days. This, this incredible meeting of the minds, this sort of uh, two-state uh, Netherlands-Romania solution. Really excited about this. Absolutely. And it's really, it's just an honor and a privilege to have the opportunity to bring together two nations. Uh, two nations that are so... Um, that are so wonderful. Yes. Romania and the Netherlands, that are just, you know, dominating athletics, uh, dominating in, in industry and such. We just appreciate everything that they've done for us. And uh, yeah, that's just all I really am able to say right now. It so I'm going to have to, I'm just going to have to take a moment. Yeah. Well, I appreciate this. Again, it's a new era for the podcast with our new Dutch family and our our, uh, our Netherlands, Romania, kind of, let's call it the, the Dracula Symposium, uh, the Operation Orangeland Dracula Symposium. You know, let us know what you guys think. Yeah. We really sure appreciate to... all the input, and we're really looking forward to a new chapter. Exactly. And this, is, and this is a new chapter, and this is, dare I say, an orange chapter. Exactly. Exactly. No, be sure to shoot us an email, of course, now that we're back on the outside and we have a few more of these freedoms afforded to us. We are always looking for business opportunities, sponsorships, and uh, and any sort of seed money that we can really get Operation Orangeland off the ground with. Uh, this sort of, I mean, look, calling upon an ancient being like Dracula, um, it's not cheap, you know. And uh, and f- you know, far be it from me to to blame the Romanian government uh, for gatekeeping Dracula mm-hmm. and some of his fine services in in our time of need. But uh, we will be reaching out, and uh, you know, we need all the help we can get. Steve, do you want to talk a little bit about our, I know, I know we're, you know, we're on the road here. We got a few more miles to go. You mind, uh, 
talking a little bit about our, our weekly short story selection, talking a little bit about Parker's Back by Flannery O'Connor. Yeah, before that, I just want to give a quick uh, a quick thank you to the sponsors of our of our podcast today, and that is uh, Shell Oil and Gas out of The Hague in the Netherlands, and of course Heineken Heineken uh, NV, uh, which is the the Dutch brewing company founded in 1864 by Gerard Heineken. We really appreciate everything that they've done for the podcast, uh, and we thank them for their support. We also thank all. Uh, all members of the Netherlands community for everything they've done for us uh, in these trying times. And uh, on to Parker's back. All right, why don't you go ahead and kick it off? I mean, like last week, um, you uh, you had made mention that you know Flannery O'Connor may be one of your top authors, if not the top author. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about this story? Give us a, a synopsis, and then we'll get into some themes. We'll talk about it versus. Uh, good country people will talk about, you know, yeah. on and on. Yeah, well, I do have two two favorite figures, uh, historical figures, and they are Flannery O'Connor, a literary figure, and, of course, Van Eyck, the famous Dutch architect. Uh, effectively, my, my current favorite figures in history, and so I really appreciate uh, the inspiration that they're able to give me, the motivation to keep going on, etc. Yes. Parker's Back is a tale by Flannery O'Connor, that highlights a man named Parker, O.E. Parker, uh, and his relationship with his wife, how he uh, met his wife, family life, his obstinance, stubbornness, um, being set in his own ways, a former military man, a former Navy man, a former, uh, a former sailor, uh, hardened by his experiences and such obsessed with marking his body with with things he wants to look at tattoos um, gotta various, be full color gotta be full color it's gotta be full color it's gotta be i mean dare i say it's gotta be orange i mean if i were parker oh, i would yeah. basically just get a full orange tattoo and i'd be uh, look if i was parker i'd be looking like chester cheetah right about now absolutely <laughs> absolutely you could cover yourself in in some of that dust and really just go go nuts every time you look in the mirror you say this is it you know exactly this is this is who i want to be uh so oe parker is uh is yeah the the focal point of this story and his obsession with putting markings in his body to carry some semblance of significance to him and uh, and that's he's very obstinate also in not only with his wife, not only with his entire lifestyle, but with how he operates with these tattoos and this almost. Uh, yeah, I think the idea is that is that it is a, a religious devotion to tattoos or symbology, symbology that he's able to look at there's you know there's a reverence to getting a new tattoo effectively what what the story highlights is his experience uh getting a larger tattoo let's say on the on the part of his body that he hasn't covered up yet by the reasoning of he can't see it and if he can't see it then there's no point in me having it right and and that is the back and it's sort of this this cathartic 
this cathartic realization of for the sake of his wife who is very devoutly religious though he is not um getting a very large byzantine i believe yeah icon of christ and the cross a very medieval or no i don't think it's even the cross i think it's just i think it's just the face of jesus a very like medieval style classic so. look. yeah i mean yeah. byzantine i yeah, think it's yeah, that yeah, yeah so that's kind of the maybe the classic iconography you'll have to look up uh, if you're listening you'll have to look up on google.com backslash images uh, you'll have to look up byzantine iconography byzantine religious iconography and that is sort of the classic long-faced halo around the head uh, type iconography. Usually Christ is wearing blue or red. Right. Yeah. Because those are the more expensive colors. This is Dyes. a real this is a real for those for those unfamiliar, this is a very like tortured depiction, a very like uh, agonizing depiction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, so he's getting he's getting the full color tattoo. He's uh, he's doing it on his back because it's the one place where he's he doesn't have any of this uh, full color ink yet. But he's also in part doing it because his wife, who, you know, ultimately why he married her kind of uh, unbeknownst to the reader, uh, this woman who he like has a real clear and present disdain for. Uh, he's doing it to try to placate her in some way, shape or form. I mean, this is a, a highly religious woman, a very devout woman. Um, and he's believing himself to be doing something right by her in getting this enormous full color uh, uh, religious icon tattooed on his back. He himself, not a religious person. Yeah. And, and it also comes about by the, the accident, right? The, the tractor. Right. Right. Accident. So it is sort of this, maybe cathartic religious perhaps near death type yeah. experience that drives him to to spend the time to go into town find the best tattoo artist get this overtly absurd mm-hmm. tattoo in terms of size and in terms of everything on his back uh yeah like you said as a way to as a way to yeah win her over yet he yeah it's a it's a strange relationship it's to win her over but at the same time to get her to stop bothering him about um the other tattoos church uh, the other tattoos and also not going to church and and this this sort of thing and so basically toward the end he is is uh, mocked at a bar for having a big Byzantine Christ tattoo and some blokes at the bar, you know, they, they get in a fight basically because they made, made fun of him and said, oh, you found God and stuff like that. And he returns home and his wife doesn't let him in until, you know, who is it? And he right. says it's O.E. Parker, and she wants him to use his his real name, which is Obadiah Elihu. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eli- Elihu is uh, is Obadiah is 
Let me let me look it up just to uh, just to clarify. Oh yeah, Obadiah means servant of God. Okay. And I'm not sure if this plays into uh, in into his disdain for his own first name. So that's also established at the beginning that he doesn't like his names. Right. And I think maybe that's meant to yeah, his 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 true name, his given name is a symbol of um, rejecting faith and then growing into it, let's say. Yeah, his his kind of unavoidable closeness to God or to his own spirituality. Well, that's so. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. The tattoo. Yeah, he he's mocked by it, and then he goes to show her, and she's saying, you know, that's there is no true physical depiction. He's a spirit. This is blasphemous. On and on. Right. But when he first yeah. sees it, when he when he has this yeah sort of near death experience, when he's compelled to go get this tattoo and he sees the tattoo in the book when he's looking at all the full color Christ images and he sees it, he's haunted by it immediately. It's, it's so striking. And then when yeah. he finally gets it on his back, he almost ref- entirely refuses to look at, it. I mean, that he is tormented by this compulsion to get this thing on his back. The reason we're given is, is yeah, sort of this appeasement. He's trying to, he's trying to force his wife to reckon with his tattoos, with his, his uh, commitment to covering his body. But there is this underlying terror in mm. in being in this whole experience being somewhat outside of his control, um, yeah. you know, being being uh, what's the word, kind of uh, branded, if you will, by his yeah. own closeness to God. Yeah, and the story ends effectively with her being so upset about it and beating him with a broom and sweeping him off to clean the to clean the filth or whatever it may be so he didn't win her over rather the opposite and it ends with him crying under a tree yeah so i mean for starters how did you feel about this compared to uh good country people i think i mentioned it last week but i see this as more what flannery o'connor is known for Mm -hmm. slow burn darker yeah more more direct symbology let's say right overt in a way still subtle to a degree as to what the point is but i would say this is flannery o'connor that uh, that is more well known rather than good country people and we discussed that a bit last week that that one was a bit more bizarrely light plays out kind of like a play Sure. Right. Sure. With these characters, and you can make an argument that both of these do, or a lot of these short stories have the characteristic and dramatization and the character count as well for kind of a stage drama, right? Pretty one and two dialogue and stuff like that. Uh, but it's certainly not, the story is certainly not funny. In, in that sense, it's, uh, yeah, you're, you know, you get drawn in to these characters and it, it, you know, it comes to, it basically just comes to a standstill. And that's kind of what Flannery O'Connor is known for. Although in a funny way, in a bizarrely funny way, good country people also comes to like this, like the standstill of, Nope, got your leg. <laughs> right, right. Right. 
it's more yeah there's more humor in the deception and humor in the ignorance and arrogance of thinking you know a certain type of person and not knowing them and it's silly there's a lot of prop let's sure. say there are a lot of funny prop imagery whereas this this is straightforward you know yeah i mean I, it's I, about a broken it's about very very broken emotionally broken characters right well i mean i think that's what makes the that's how the story i mean it's it's interesting it's dense it's kind of it's a lot to unpack because yeah here you have yeah. oe who his own relationship to his tattoos i mean he's he's got this this fascination it's sort of the classic military man you know you get like a, a tour tattoo you get like a, a big dragon you get a tiger whatever yeah. but then he's, he's even saying you know the more color the better but after you look at it for a, no, a long enough time you grow tired of it you get another one the you know him finding himself haunted by this this uh christ icon is that now he can no longer see it but these eyes can always see him and it doesn't matter if he gets tired of this it's his entire fucking back now and it'll always be there and it's just his final recognition of oh this is a permanent mark on my body um and then that against the backdrop of this yeah highly religious highly devout wife who he has no real warmth for who herself is you know one of like 10 children or whatever uh yeah. grew up extremely poor who their entire relationship kind of fell you know his his marriage sort of fell into his lap as like a uh an act of animosity you know he bring, bringing her this free mm -hmm. fruit for her to not give a shit about him eventually he's like sort of half courting her she never really cares about him even still but you know like the tattoos it's this it's an immediate obsession it's yeah uh another way in which humans kind of conquer their surroundings whatever that might be, be it with a tattoo, this, this sort of, uh, you know, a piece of artwork or the, the pain, the, the time you endure, the, the temporal commitment or sure. uh, with this marriage. I mean, I guess also another temporal commitment, the idea of object permanence not fully registering in his mind, the idea of a mm. uh, relationship not registering in his mind and this Christ icon bringing both those things home in a very real way that he can never escape from the level of permanence that his life has come to represent. Um, I would say I, I like this one, uh, yeah, a little more than Good Country People, just because it is, yeah, it is darker. It is it is characters who are very haunted by their actions, and I think that oh. um, that kind of character study fits into the Southern aesthetic really well. You know, as we talked about before, like a really swampy environment, uh, a yeah. a really balmy exactly. day, people just cooking under the sun. Uh, you know, just eyes completely glazed over, locked somewhere. In just looking into the past, <clears throat> troubled, deeply troubled. And uh, yeah. no, it was good. I tell you what, it was a treat. I, uh, to any of our listeners out there, to any of our new Dutch family, I, I, would, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, to any of our listeners, definitely consider look into Flannery O'Connor. I mean, you can effectively get like the full collection of short stories almost anywhere, I think. Yeah. Can't beat it. All right. Well, we're, we've actually run a little over time for this week. Uh, obviously, our on-the-road segments, we can only record for so long. So we did not get a chance to talk about uh, David Foster Wallace's seminal classic, Infinite Jest. Unfortunately, of course, yeah. all the... We got to stop the, at the gas station. We got to stop at the gas station. Got to refuel on Orange Foods. And for all Absolutely. our Dutch family, our new Dutch family who've been waiting for this, uh, you know, crucial, essential Infinite Jest dissertation and, and analysis, uh, you got to wait one more week. So sorry about that. But next week, 
in addition to, of course, to uh, our infinite just analysis, we will be reading uh, Julio Cortazar's Cortazar's uh, Blow Up. Uh, Absolutely, classic, classic story. Many of many are familiar with it. It uh, it went on to inspire uh, Michelangelo uh, Antonioni's Blow Up, which in turn inspired uh, Austin Powers. Believe it or not, absolutely. So um, it's going to be a good time, and that's a short story. You can go ahead and read along at home. Be sure to shoot us an email, DaveFosterWallsonGrom at gmail.com. and uh, we will be back next week to uh, to uh, discuss all things Infinite Jazz as well as the novella of our choosing. Absolutely, thanks, guys. Stay orange. <laughs>